0: Hi, this is Anne Filippi, founder of The New Health Club. If you want to know about psychedelics as new mental health tools, you came to the right place. I talk to innovators, thought leaders and disruptors, creating the future of mental health and mental wellness. And we think that the future is already here. Hi guys, and welcome back to a new episode of The New Health Club Show. I'm happy you're back. And this is a really interesting episode again. So, because this is our second live recording at Soho House Berlin. The first one was with Rock Fielding last December. But since we have now a monthly event at Soho House Berlin, please join us if you're in the city and let us know. So, but this time we are talking about a topic that is just developing as we speak. It's called psychedelic leadership, and rightfully so, you might ask, what does this even mean? Here's some options. Does it mean C-level people or C-level jobs will engage in psychedelic experiences to look for better leadership practices and transformation? Or does it mean at one point companies can offer psychedelic therapy to their employees? Does it mean we will look into psychedelics for inspiration if it comes to business or creative ideas? A whole different approach than looking at it from a mental health perspective. Or does it mean we are looking for a new leadership style or leadership styles altogether with the support of psychedelic experiences? Also, we could resolve epigenetic questions or long standing political conflicts between countries. Many things to address. If it comes to this kind of very new, just roughly defined topic. But I was lucky to have a pretty good panel to reflect on all of these questions. So in this episode at So House, I'm joined by Jörg Reinbold, MD at APX, Axel Springer Porsche, an entrepreneur and investor, Dr. Giza Michaika, general partner at Auxo Female Catalyst Fund, Dimitri Acherot. PhD helping leaders thrive at the Evolute Institute. And Achim Feige, co-founder of Vertical Development, a transformation architect and human potential coach. Please enjoy the episode and let us know if you like these kind of live recordings and live situations. And I'm happy to get questions and inspirations and comments. Please write to Anne at the New Health Club. Dot de. Please enjoy the show. Yeah, welcome everybody to um, our next psychedelic conversation uh, with the New Health Club. It's our third conversation now and the group of people joining gets bigger and bigger. And tonight we have a very special um, topic which attracted obviously a lot of interest. And we will talk about psychedelic leadership, psychedelic company building and um if we would be in america we would say how to see your business plan on drugs and <laughs> so we'll not so just if we would be and um yeah so we have an amazing panel here um and again like we have to be a little bit mindful with the mic- microphone but i think we're gonna figure it out and the conversation will be like roughly an hour and then of course there's plenty of time for questions and I would like to start. Everybody should introduce themselves quickly. So, and I give the microphone maybe. Let me go through here.
1: Thank you. So we use the microphone as talking sticks. Yeah, exactly. The one who has one can speak. I'm Jörg. Nice to meet you. Um, I work at um, APX. We are an early stage investor and uh, I've been investing in companies pretty much my whole life. I started some. That's what enabled me to invest in others. Um We've invested in 184 companies, I think. And um, we look at the people and we look at, are these the right people to start companies? And then we, I'll explain later what we actually do. And um, besides of of running APX, uh, I'm married, I have two kids um, and I'm on the board of a cookie company and I started a nonprofit organization called betterplace.org with friends, and we try to save the world. And I try to have a multi dimensional life and get everything done that needs to be done.
2: Hi, everyone. Um, I hope you can hear me. If not, please yell. Um, my name is Dimitri, and I have co founded and I'm leading the Evolute Institute, which is an organization that provides safe spaces for. Um, people in responsibility for founders, for executives, so pioneering minds, basically, um, to experience deep reconnection with themselves and introspection. And we do that with the help of altered states of consciousness, including also um, using legal um, psychedelics in the Netherlands. So um, this is what we do. Um, prior to founding the Valut Institute, I have worked as a data scientist in a US-American company where we've built machine learning solutions um, for different industries. Um, I have a scientific uh, background um, in economics and yeah, I don't have kids. I'm almost married (laughs) and uh, yeah. You don't have to necessarily say. (laughs) And yeah, um, I'm happy to discuss this topic with you tonight.
3: Hello, I'm Achim. I'm the co-founder of Vertical Development together with my partner Sebastian. He is the guy with the beanie. Maybe you stand up a little bit. Ah, here, there. Thank you. Uh, We we are the co-creation loft in Berlin-Neukölln and we are solely focused on personal growth for leaders. And we do this on three levels. Uh, first level is basically how leaders can perform in more balance, with more well-being, with more energy, with more free time to really become the leader they want to be, to listen deeply, to give feedback that others grow, to create High performing team, so this is the first level. the second level, around twenty percent of our clients they want to become transformative leader, and here we are in the real business because our purpose is really to support the bridge builders into a new world with the latest science on neuroscience, but also aligned with ancient wisdom and Here we have special courses uh, using breathwork, binaural beats, and other quantum mechanic uh, uh, support. To really level up their minds and hearts uh, to the future, and one to five percent uh, we really uh, offer the ego death <laughs> so to to open up to reconnect to lead from a higher state of consciousness um, yeah with better connections to themselves to their friends, family organization, and society, and probably also the uh, the nature and yeah so i 'm very happy to talk about. The three levels, because for us, it's not only bringing or making the people or giving them access to go in ecstasis, to inspiration, to go high. No, it's very important if you are inspired, you're open up, let them grow and learn and uh, give them more clarity. So growing up, waking up. And growing up and then we support them to go back into society as more homegrown leaders. This is a little bit our purpose and I'm happy to discuss this uh, with all of you today.
4: Hi, my name is Geza. I'm one of the two founders of the Auxo Female Catalyst Fund. We are a VC fund focusing on co-investing into female founders um, in the seed and pre-seed phases within Europe. And uh, prior to that, I was a strategy consultant and I worked with and in startups. Um, I have two kids, two daughters, uh, freshly separated uh, from my husband <laughs> of 20 years um, and uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. enjoying the life in, uh, <laughs> in Berlin as a, yeah. A, no, I'm not single. I have a boyfriend now.
0: <laughs> Thank you for saying this. All right. I mean, I, I just leave it on. Um, I would like to start, well, we could talk about something else now, but... So, so obviously, this, let's say, engagement with psychedelics and sea level people or founders and... Even VCs is kind of on the rise. And of course, this is also due to the I I mean to the fact that most companies or most um organizations really don't know anymore how to facilitate innovation, but also like how to let's say look into the next 10 years in a different way than we used to look into the last 10 years. So and I would like to start um with Jörg. But the first question to you would be. Since you are constantly, you know, getting in touch with young founders and companies, you also look immediately into a new, um, yeah, company culture and you know pretty, pretty fast what their um, intuition is, what their ideas around the company. So my question would be, what is your, in your experience has changed in the last five years? Why people are founding companies, how they do it, and are they still under, let's say, the influence of a, a blitzscaling, um, Silicon Valley. Just a very easy question.
1: <laughs> I'll try to be brief. So, um, I think what, what has been changing is, or uh, what, what we like is, um, potential entfaltung. So to, to help people and companies to develop their full potential. And I think what has, or what is changing is that we are getting away from this hustle culture where, um, founders They, they are more in a sprint mode than in a marathon mode. And I think if you want to create something that is really sustainably successful, you need to, you need to balance different things. You need to balance like performance with, um, with a culture of achieving things, with a culture of like setting long-term goals, achieving short-term goals and creating an environment where you don't burn out. All this together with, um, I think in general our society being more open openly discussing how we feel how how we can like manage our own energy levels our own levels of despair of um, ambition I think and this is the optimist in me that who's talking right now um, a lot more founders are a lot more reflected on how can we make this a long term success which does not mean that they cannot perform. But figuring out how to bring and combine performance with balance, I think is a really interesting challenge. And more and more founders are thinking about this. And we as investors, we also try to figure this out, how we can provide like the most meaningful shortcuts for the people we invest in to really create long-term sustainable and successful companies have fun while doing it and making money while doing it, which is a challenge. But that's what we are looking for. And that's also what I think is, is changing. And I think this year will be, will be particularly difficult for a lot of people because you might have noticed it. The economy is not doing that well right now. And, um, it's a very weird situation. We and other funds, we have a lot of capital, a lot of, um, A lot of funds have been raised last year. So there's a lot of capital available. Everyone is a little bit hesitant. And then there's this this growth ceiling right now in Europe, I think, where later stage funding is very hard to find, which, again, the optimist in me speaking, I think will lead to having more sustainable business models that will um, get financing from people who have more long-term goals rather than these very short-term build-to-flip things.
0: Okay. So, I mean, our theory tonight, I mean, and I'm I'm convinced by this theory, is that with the support of altered states <laughs> or um, psychedelics, this sustainability is actually easier to achieve. And it's an experience that I had myself. I was a journalist before. I was doubting twice a day if I should be a journalist for 20 years. I kind of don't doubt now anymore what I... Should do in in the psych that that I'm in the psychedelic space, but I hear this also from people who are engaging in a let's say a psychedelic coaching, which would be the next question to uh, to you, Dimi. So you already work with people who are in let's say positions where they have to make a lot of decisions, where they influence the destiny of a company that are coming to you and saying, "Okay, I'm ready to take this." So. What is your experience so far with the outcome?
2: Yeah, so as you said, Anna, a lot of people who join our retreats, they have kind of a big burden to bear in a sense, right? They have responsibility for companies. They have to, um, yeah... uh, be the one where the buck stops when they talk to investors. Um, They have employees. And so, of course, um, they are facing a lot of challenges um, and also paradoxes, right? So on the one hand, they say, yeah, I want to assume responsibility and also have a long-term thinking in my company and uh, be kind of strategically inclined to do things that mean well and do good. But at the same time, I have to respond to short-term Requests right by financial pressures, etc., growth obligations, and so on, and um, that creates, of course, a yeah kind of a mental stress, an emotional stress that lead many founders into into a burnout. And I mean, probably most of you know statistics of how many founders are affected by emotional distress or burnout. And so, the question is, how can these people become not only more resilient to external factors, but also more sensitive to their inner working, so their emotional lives, so that actually they are quicker to notice and realize when there is something going wrong um, and how to respond to that. Um, and so I think a precondition for that um, is what we call kind of inner work, right? It's about looking honestly and kindly, that means with with compassion, into yourself and seeing... Where can you find resistances or also shadows, things that you haven't seen before um, that didn't allow you to accept things and to cope with things uh, in a more effective and healthy way? And so, uh, for instance, we had founders who have reported that their experience that they had under psychedelics has shown them what is truly important in life, right? And most of the time, and this is interesting, they report, well, it's about the relationship to people, right? It's about caring for other people and as cheesy as it might sound many of them say oh it's so much about love right we've had founders who said i thought before my life needed to be a hero story and then they said oh but now i've realized i want my life to be a love story and yeah it sounds cheesy but i think that there is actually a lot of inner processes happening in these people and so this also then leads to different decision making so we've had a ceo of a VC funded um, tech company who has based on his experiences during the retreat taken a very important strategic decision in this company involving a multi-million euro contract and has convinced his investors actually um, to be on his side to cancel that contract because he saw that there was no more alignment between his vision of the company and what this contract represented. And so I think um, that this heightened state of awareness but also alignment of strategy and values is something that helps people not only to prevent burnout but also to act in a more responsible and long-term way
0: okay so turning to achim now who's in a same similar field so i would be interested because you already work with very big established companies without psychedelics like just organizing um, retreats for them, weekends where they reconnect with their teams. So, and um, first of all, I mean, I'm happy to talk also if you want to, about what you're just starting to do <laughs> this year. But I mean, first of all, maybe you could talk about how do you perceive this, let's say, still very corporate environments, I mean you work mostly work in Germany, but also in other countries soon like what is it that they're really looking for and which can't maybe like classic coaching and classic team building can't provide anymore maybe
3: well uh, the, uh as Dimi said, they're more or less everybody is in a hamster wheel trying to achieve more and more difficult uh, goals in a turbulent environment and everybody is stressed and um, yeah so everybody says I have no time I have no energy but I want to perform and I want to deliver the result and normal coaching or uh, normal team building on a on the same level of consciousness is not helping you out because you still the world has you And the only way out is that you grow your capacity on all levels. You sleep deeper, you breathe more conscious, you open your heart. So your capacity to hold the world on all levels, body, heart and mind, increases. And this is uh, what we do. And we always see uh, on the second level I mentioned, we do really meditation, we do breath work, we do body work because the body, the nervous system is basically the whole body-mind connection. And this is always the most intense moment when they get out of their ego. They say, wow, I never have felt that. Or some say, oh, I felt that when I was in Kilimanjaro alone seven years ago. Now I'm free again. Or with normal, maybe some of you know, Wim Hof breathing, if you do this intensely, you you get out of your ego so you reconnect you, you break out and you 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 reconnect to yourself and to the world and with psychedelics we also do psychedelic retreats in portugal and now as you mentioned uh, in, in in netherlands in a safe and legal setting um there is a so strong they are daring to uh, reconnect, like you said, reconnect to nature, reconnect to themselves, to their real self, to their inner purpose. And I want to add something to you. They, afterwards, they still have an ego, but this ego is not contracted and alone. It's an open, conscious, well-connected, flexible mind uh, where the people then try to apply state to task. They want to become heroes, but heroes with an open heart and well connection. yeah, this is the point they want to create and you cannot create in a higher states of consciousness. You have to go down and bring it back to your community, your family, your organization and this is the most interesting part for us um, and so far it 's a way it's always waking up, growing up, showing up and and it's it 's a path on personal mastery, and this is also our purpose to have more conscious and connected leaders because if you feel the nature, and I did some psychedelic experiences myself, and just to say I have four kids and also divorced. <laughs> uh, I now we have everybody's situation clear. Like, But, again, with two kids and one wife, very well, and good connection living in Scandinavia. Um, no, uh, but the funny thing is, uh, and uh, I don't know if you have this experience, you really... Reconnect to nature where you come from, and you reconnect. And I uh, reconnect to my two girls, which I don't have a good relation in this free world, a three D world, and I feel still connected. So really, this oneness stuff in this uh, talk, it really happens. <laughs> and uh, the beauty is, if you bring this experience back into the three D, this is a little bit what we call real transformative leaders. And um, yeah, and it takes time, it takes time, it takes time in corporate. Um, but as I said, from 100, three to five go very high. And um, there will be more and we are pioneers.
0: Okay. Uh, so Giza is a very interesting story because Giza was already super successful as a female founder, a, a VC, I can say it, which even if she doesn't say it. But now she engaged um, in a half a year ago or something, a year ago maybe, one and a half year ago, she started to look into Ayahuasca and we talked about this before, that's why I can say it. And you told me that after you looked into this, not only your private life changed tremendously, but also you became really clear about your fund and what would be the new direction. So I would really love you to talk about this. <clears throat> yeah, so um,
4: I thought you were referring to something different. This is this was three years ago, actually. Three years ago, so, okay. Um, okay. Um, so m- maybe a little, like historically, it was a private, um, a very difficult. Uh, I think everyone has pr- problems in their lives, right? And with me, there were just uh, several shocks in my life. Um, so uh, one of my kids is disabled, for example. Um, I had cancer, for example. And th- these things, you know... They they change you, and they um, what they do is they make the, it's like a wake up call. It's like um, and and some people go a certain way and they um, continue their lives as as it is, and some people have this. Uh, people call it spiritual awakening, and um, I would say what happened to me was basically the spiritual awakening side of things. Um, and I started doing the inner work that you were talking about, and I started doing a lot of inner work. And with all these things that have been mentioned before, you know, Wim Hof and whatever, like everything that has been said before, I've I tried, <laughs> and um, and everything worked really really well because it's um, basically what I figured out is what do I want in life? I want to live my life to the fullest. Um, I want to, um, uh, you know, live with my full potential. And how can you do that living with your full potential? Uh, And the answer is basically be as healthy as you can and live in your integrity the way you can. Right. Those are like the two aspects that I found for myself. It doesn't need to necessarily be the same with everyone else. And. Then, I, so I was going to the, the psychotherapist and I was doing all these, uh, a little bit of meditation here and a little bit of breath work there and whatever. I was doing all these things and then a friend of mine uh, brought me to ayahuasca. And for me, this is, um, I mean, it's, it's one of the elements, right? So it's, it's something that for me really brought change in my life and, and tremendous change. Because what it did was basically everything that I had done before, it was like fast forwarding all of that on a level that I hadn't experienced before. So what it does, is an entheogen. Um, it, it, it's not a hallucinogen. It doesn't um, show you things that are not there, but it shows you things that you've been hiding always and that it makes you look into those really bad things in your life and wants you to um, go through them and to basically uh, become mentally healthy because you look at them and you, um, and you work with them. And what happened, just to cut the story short, basically, is um, that through Ayahuasca, it it gave me the confidence of starting the fund that I started. So we had been doing a lot of uh, thinking about the fund. So it's uh, three women that we did angel investing together. We talked about it a lot, a lot, a lot. And I just realized this was one of the things I just realized one day, I was like, I'm going to do this and I can do this and it's going to work. And I had like the inner trust it's gonna work because I got everything that's necessary I'm healthy now um I'm in living in my integrity um I I know that I bring the things to the table that need to be brought to the table the timing is right la 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 all those things and so I jumped and basically what I did was uh I talked to my two partners and I said look guys um I'm doing this <laughs> and uh, join me or not, uh, but this is, this is the way that we're going to do it or I'm going to do it and, uh, do it and I, I hope it's with you. Um, and yeah, that's how, how we came. I mean, we were talking about it a long time. Maybe we also would have come a, through a different way. But for me personally, this was the final kick to uh, be a
0: startup founder and found your business. So I think like the word you like said, the, the confidence you suddenly had, I think it comes after, as a result, sometimes takes a while out of these experiences because you can look into things that kind of kept you away without knowing that they kept you in check, basically. Definitely, and, yeah.
4: and one aspect I want to just mention is it's not enough to just do these types of things. But you have to do the integration work because if you do this separately, and uh, it's just so overwhelming, like you can even have a psychosis through something like this. <clears throat> but you have to do the integration work, so you have to whatever works for you. No, you know, go to your therapist, uh, do um, meditation, do the breath work, do whatever. But you have to continue. So it's not only that. That might be like the first push, and then uh, you continue.
0: Exactly. So I mean. It's actually a good moment to um to let's say talk about the the problems or the the actual critics like already saying like well, it's just like a weird hobby from hardcore Silicon Valley people just being um amazing and like over the top and like gods um like to kind of look into their companies and their business plans so it's really not something for everybody and stuff. So, but this is something that's also around where people criticize this. If it's, if let's say founders and C level people start to look into this, but this is sometimes also just something that media likes to, you know, get in the way of the psychedelic renaissance. But I think one thing I would like to talk about is. Actually, that your experience can really be something that is very unsettling for you. So this idea that I also had before, I was like, Oh, I'm doing this. And then chut, 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 now I'm great. So sometimes things come up that are really that you have forgotten in a way and that your brain was basically kind of saving you from looking into because you were not able and not ready to look into this. So. Let's say in, in in your case, in your retreat. So how do you communicate this, let's say, unpredictability that is also involved in this, even if you know what you want to find out and maybe you even know the substance, but even if you've done 50 <sighs> truffle journeys, the 51st one could be the one that reminds you of something that you forgot about. So how do you work around this topic in, in your retreats?
2: Um, yeah, so I think... Um Referring to uh, Dr. Stanislav Grof, who was one of the pioneers in psychedelic research back in the 60s, um, who said that psychedelics are basically non-specific amplifiers. So that means whatever is currently there, kind of psychodynamically in your mind, uh, might get um, increased in intensity and that might kind of bubble up to the surface, right? So in that sense, Anna, as you said, the predictability of a psychedelic journey um, is pretty low. I think scientific research can say well given a certain dosage of psilocybin you might experience what they call a mystical type event which uh, which Achim described as kind of uh, oneness or the ego death. I guess there are many descriptions for that but essentially it is a very Yeah, individualistic kind of uh, experience that usually only the person experiencing it can fully understand and grasp and feel. Um, But having said that, I think first of all, how we approach the work is clarifying in what context it happens. And what we do not want to create is to have people yet another nice experience, but we want it to be embedded in a context of personal inquiry of transformation that can potentially also be painful and where people can go through periods of sadness, of grief, of anger and where, yeah, memories from the past can also surface that were not necessarily positive, right? And I guess we all can relate to that. We all um, have our own kind of bag of uh, wounding that we experience in our lives. And so priming people with that is already, I think, the first step to prepare them for a potentially challenging experience. Of course, before that, also, uh, what we do, and I think every um, everyone who kind of emphasizes safety, what would also, we would also do is screen people for psychological and psychiatric counter-indications. So to avoid something, uh, what Giza, you mentioned, a psychosis, which is a very, very rare event, but still might happen in certain people who are genetically predisposed to schizophrenia, etc. But then essentially, how do you work, right, uh, with a situation where you might experience overwhelming grief? Or, for instance, in my case, um, with my personal journey where I thought that, yeah, I'm a functional adult individual and kind of, you know, I don't have all that childhood stuff, you know, I, I've read it in psychology books, but it's not me. And then boom, um, in many, over many sessions, I saw, yeah, there were moments in my life or phases in my life that have, yeah, that have made me the person who I am. And, and this, is, this is very subtle and very, I mean, subtle in the sense of it's very hard to notice that, right? It's, it's, it, it was my blind spot. And it's very hard to to be aware of that um, in our everyday normal waking consciousness, so to speak. So I think um, for me, that was kind of, uh, these were repetitively my challenging moments. And in these periods, what helped me was excellent facilitation. So people who are at your side, who kind of borrow you, not only their, their working memories, so to say. So they're kind of, if you think of computers, they, they lend you capacity for processing that you don't have alone so for moments in your life that used to be overwhelming but now can be processed by you because there is somebody who is there and supports you Um, but also who are there with loving presence and i think this is really a very important element because otherwise re-experiencing these memories can be re-traumatizing potentially Um, and so yeah well to sum it up well there's no way to predict an experience i think proper preparation very good facilitation during the experience. And then also what both of you said, the integration is incredibly important to actually translate these insights um, into your life, to give them meaning and to embed them in a mindset and behavior that will kind of support a healthier development.
0: Okay. So, we, Jörg, before we come back to you, um, like because we're just in this topic of in, in the context of people who are organizing this, so how is your conversations with people coming from a bigger corporate background? I mean, which is also you know that allowed to obviously like offer this not yet maybe to their um, <laughs> employees, which is underway individually. They do yeah. individually, yeah. But I mean, not yet. That like Dr. Bronner's, for example, in America, would give their um, employees uh, the chance to do a ketamine therapy and their family if they would like to do this so how does a conversation look like when you try to open somebody or getting somebody interested from a corporate world into an experience like this
3: we are not selling it <laughs> no no <laughs> They feel that there is something, and that's that's why if we do this uh, flow practices, this breath work, they start to reconnect to their body. Then they get the breath work and say, "Wow, this is really helping me." And Achim, there is ah psychedelics, uh, psychedelics ayahuasca, blah 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 blah. Do you know something? And we say yes. And and and, in, and individually, as uh, Dimi said, with good screening and, and preparing, and you know this probably from banking or stock uh, uh, trading, you have to uh, define your risk, uh, what you can hold. So if you don't can hold a risk, you invest in Deutsche staatsanleihen If you can avoid uh, hold total loss, you can go into futures. And then we see, and this is also the intention. So what do you want to do with it? Yeah, I want to become, yeah, a a hype. I want to unleash my potential. I want to really become an open-hearted leader and I want to bring it back into the organization. It's really big corporations. And then we prepare them and then they do it. And what really happens, it's it's just, as I mentioned, they're cracking up and say, ah, i don 't have to stress, I can perform without being afraid to be rejected because I am who I am, and they become stronger well connected and in a more subtle uh frequency you know they are they in in german fine, uh more yeah subtle and in, 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 in in resonance and yeah they're more present and for them it's then also tough again to go back in their normal organization but they are more connected they have the strength and say i i saw the light probably and i see it helps us in our culture and if there are 20 and 30 let's go there on step by step Mittelstation zugspitze uh, 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 Maybe you have uh, to
0: explain what Zugspitze is in this I, uh, context.
3: No, 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 uh, sorry for that. No, um, if you go on higher states of consciousness, you go high, you see more, you feel more. And if you, for example, your highest expect- uh, level was the Teufelsberg in Berlin, then probably, you no, know, don't go immediately to Mount Everest, practice in hearts and then go to Zugspitze and then go for Mount Everest. And psychedelics is Himalaya, Mount Everest. So we really prepare them so that they are not destroyed when they see the connection and cannot hold it physically, mentally, emotionally and bring it back. And we are still in, it depends on the culture and the experimental phase. But so far, none said, I want to go surfing, I want to go away. No, they all feel at least they want to bring back to the family To their friends and to the organization. So it's quite hopeful what we see, but it's still the beginning.
0: Okay. So, Jörg, I would be curious because you have also a pretty big team by yourself. So, how do you have like like conversations about leadership at the moment? I mean, founding is one thing, but we all know (laughs) great founders are not immediately great leaders and can be like nasty people sometimes. (laughs) because in the beginning you have to be very like stern and like sometimes you appear to other people very um, unpleasant even, but sometimes you have to go through the phase of the founding thing. But then comes maybe a level, okay, now you have people working for you. So now you have to be also a good leader. And even without psychedelics, that's already a topic. So how do you address this in a big Axel Springer and APX context?
1: Mm. you can ask my colleagues. Some of them are here.
0: Oh, how do you feel? <laughs> later, <laughs>
1: and uh, later, first me. Later, first <laughs> no, you, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, and um, I think it's a craft that you can learn. Like le- leadership, there's so many elements to it that is just like learning things, like giving feedback properly, um, being connected to each other, talking to each other, uh, being aware of each other, Um Understanding that humans are different, um, being inclusive. And what does inclusive actually mean? Allowing everyone to develop their full potential. Figuring out whose potential is really bad for the rest of the others and um, figuring out who, which kind of people fit together. And then I think it also be heavily is influenced by the size of the organization you are building. Like in a former life, I was running eBay in Germany and we were a lot of people. And there we, we had very different leadership styles than the ones that, that we can use now at, at APX or our next company that's going to be called Heartfelt, where we, we are just 15 people and we can talk to each other immediately. And if something is like, if there's something I want to figure out, we can immediately connect to each other. When you are running an organization that's like 700 people, that's not that easily possible. Then you need like different layers and, but it's a, it's a craft and, and I think you need to train yourself and you need to allow everyone else to, to understand how do humans actually interact with each other. And, um, I, I think this love thing is very important in all of this.
0: Love thing. Okay. Giza, let's talk to you about it. <laughs> so, I mean, what I find interesting is now you have quite, also quite a lot of responsibility with talking to investors the whole time and saying okay this is what we're going to do with your money so i mean how do you think your decision making has changed since you engaged in a psychedelic journey and how is your yeah communication different to to people who actually let's say you know you would talk to um, that would give money to your fund or like, how do you, I mean, I don't want to say like convince them, but I mean, how from, how did the place change from that you come from now, basically?
4: Well, it's difficult to say because <clears throat> I didn't fund, I, that's not true. I did fundraise for a different company, but I, did, I didn't fundraise for myself, for my, m- okay. myself before, um, uh, doing uh, ayahuasca. So, um, it's difficult to have the comparison, right? Um, I would say, because you're in your integrity and because it's it's very heartfelt and I, I agree 100% with the love part. Uh, and it's not only ayahuasca, I think it's the whole like inner work. Sure. Let's just call it inner work. Um, once you do that and you're very deep in it, then you wouldn't work for something that you're not 100% committed to. So if you're pitching, you would be pitching with a lot more integrity if you're doing that instead of if you're not doing that, right? So I think that's basically the core uh, of it, that you can just be very honest and open and um, reflected about what you're building, And you're not programmed as in, okay, what is the right answer to this question that the investor is asking me at this moment? Because he wants, or she wants, usually he wants to hear that. (laughs) But you can, um, it's just a different way. And I guess one thing that really changed is I got an abundance mindset, which I didn't have before. And the abundance mindset changed everything. Everything, because before it was uh, like, okay, we have there's this amount of, cap- of capital out there, and I have to get a piece of it. So if I get this piece, then someone else won't get the piece that I get. And things change with me, and I I 100% believe that there is abundance in this world, and uh, there's enough money for all of us um, if we really you know want want that, and if it's something that is uh, worthwhile. Uh, um, for, for investors. And that just changes the way you pitch. So it's not an elbow thing, but you're, you're a lot more open and a, a lot more connected and you, you work collaboratively. The community is a lot more important to you than it was before. Uh, so we, we, we actually recommend other funds to investors as well, a lot, because we believe that helping each other out in this industry and all the other industries also um, is for the greater good and
0: one quick thing like so you're three three
4: founders now of the of the fund right the fund is founded by two of us because okay. our third partner she uh, had four children within seven years oh wow <laughs> and the fourth child actually had uh complications so that's oh. why uh, she didn't found the fund together with us okay um but two of us yeah so
0: so how has your relationship changed a lot more open
4: so i i think that's also the, the honesty part is a huge part so um before it was a lot, um, I'll just speak with, for myself. Sure. I, I think Tina, uh, it would be overstepping to think about what she would say. But I would say before I would like to, to have been perfect in her eyes. Like I have everything covered, I understand all areas, and I'm I, I do all the best bets, and uh, I have all this knowledge, and I have all this experience, and so on and so forth. And um, with doing this inner work, uh, what I've noticed is that I I have tons of weaknesses, and many many weaknesses, and I don't have all the knowledge, and I have many amazing blind spots. And being very open about this is so crucial. Because if you're working together and you're raising a fund together, it's and also versus the investors when they invest into you, you have to be open and show them, look, this is the blind spot that we have and we're trying to cover it with uh, hiring someone or uh, maybe we won't be able to cover it. Um, but just being very open with that. And I guess um, the trust issue is like if you're working together and a fund is basically it's a little bit more difficult than a typical startup because you have... sure. It's a it's a marriage for ten plus years. <laughs> um, uh, so so if you're not one hundred percent honest, then uh, it's it's the marriage is uh, might not succeed. And then you have a key person event. That's what it's called. Um, so one of the fund managers leaves, and then the whole fund is is at risk of not being able to be continued. So you have a lot more responsibility. Okay. Plus, with us, we even have more responsibility because we're the first German fund that focuses on female founders. And if this fund doesn't succeed, uh, and I think this is something that, uh, that is really important, people will be saying, you see, female founders aren't, aren't that successful. So it's, it's even more important for us to, um, you know, just, be ab- above average, let's say in our, in our sure. returns than it is maybe for a typical fund.
0: It's an extra pressure for sure. Yeah. 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 But before we have a little bit of an announcement um, and then move over to questions. Should, do you want to say it? No. Well, we, we can, but before,
3: before we, before we go to questions, right. I just want to comment a little bit on leadership. Okay.
0: okay. Uh, yeah, just, sure.
3: just, just one point because uh, it, it resonated a lot in me. Just, um, and you mentioned that leadership, what really changes is that you are leading more from your inner truth and you graduate this attraction. You get more followers just more easily because they feel you are authentic. And this is real leadership and I think your fear not to succeed is not there, but you still want to succeed. So you have a good relation to success and development, but you don't die if this is not successful. And this relaxes you because you see it. I commit to this game in the game to make a difference, but I don't have to. I want to, and maybe I'm a little bit made to it. I found it. And this is, uh, uh, I think, uh, the most beautiful thing in the leadership uh, context.
0: Okay. So before we move over to questions... I would like that every one of you would actually talk a little bit, or like let's say very shortly, about what is your idea of leadership for the next five years? What's going to be really important, with or without psychedelics? doesn't have to be. Jörg, maybe first, and then you make a round.
1: I think one, one big thing I'm always uh, thinking about is um, the power of reality and reality distortion how to understand realities and how to translate dreams into goals and strategies. This will always be important. And then creating trustful environments. I'm trying to avoid all buzzwords from texts that I'm reading that you probably (laughs) haven't read. Um, So creating environments where people can really trust each other and Put themselves and each other's on learning and development curves and remember that they did this and grow something together. This is, but this is like more for the kind of company that I'm building right now. I think in, in general, it's, it's about being human and the love thing is really important. The love
0: thing. We're going to. Hear more about that very soon. <laughs> you also want to start with the love laugh thing?
2: <laughs> so.
1: I can concur
2: the love thing. Um, no, but what I feel is crucial for the leadership of the future is the following. I think um, everyone who does not close their eyes uh, willfully will see that we, as a global civilization, are facing certain existential threats, and this might be well environmental degradation, socio-political, um, radicalization, war games playing out even in in Europe. So um, I think uh, in total we're we facing unprecedented challenges and I think the responsibility of people who want to make a difference, whom we might call leaders, should not only be to ask the question kind of what is my own inner journey but also how is that result also applicable to the wider um, social web and the web of life? And so I think that leadership needs to be daring and it needs to be bold enough to challenge and tackle certain realities that are dysfunctional, that might have been useful in the past, but have now kind of just overmature and need to be replaced. And um, as Buckminster Fuller uh, said, if you want um, to, I mean, you can't find fight a system if you want to change it, make it obsolete. So I think leaders should be daring to lead with their heart so that they can actually make a difference towards a future that is more in the service of life. And that means we need to fundamentally rethink what makes this society and economy run what kind of social narratives we want to weave right is it prestige success money material accumulation or are these other values that we want to nurture and so i think this is a discussion that is necessary that is painful that also involves looking at our social shadows right we've talked about individual shadows but now Mm. we need to go also the social sphere and yeah so i guess this i hope will be future leaders' contribution to the world.
0: Okay. Achim?
3: Uh, I want to bring two things into consciousness. One is uh, I like the idea of life-centered economy or life-centered leadership. It means really support the great game by unfolding all life you have, starting from yourself uh, in good resonance with family, with colleagues, with society and nature, evolving, So really open the capacity towards it. And as a kind of a corporate Zen master, I'm deeply into Zen. I really think that we are now in a state of still in the uh, antithesis. So there was growth and degrowth and they are fighting on the same level. I want to have good business, good growth. So the integration or old work and new work, no, it's true work. Performance or human, no, it's human performance. So that we really level up our consciousness that we can hold this polarities uh, which are really tough in every organization, in every meter either or to both ends, And this will be the Hegel these, antithese, synthese, and this will be supporting the evolution.
0: Oh okay. Giza? I have nothing to add because it's all been said. Okay. Okay. So, um yeah, I mean, you guys can stay here. I'm going to walk around with the mic because we have just two. Um Is there anything you guys want to add that is important to you in terms of this topic that I forgot maybe? Okay, then we start with the questions. Achim and his team are offering also a, a retreat. We can talk about this afterwards, but I just wanted to mention it already. We're going to be around a little bit for a while afterwards. So now to the questions and like last time, I'm going to go around with the mic.
5: Hello, thank you for the microphone. I'm very grateful for this event tonight and for your, co- your contributions. Um, I would like to share what I see today and what I saw last night. Um, I see a lot of, I mean, successful people from the ruling class. Um, even female entrepreneurs are usually from the very privileged class in this society. And... Um, <laughs> You're talking about connection and connecting to yourself, mental health problems. <laughs> Yesterday, I was attending a circle called a BIPOC healing circle, uh, also at the Soho House. And people are talking about their, their struggle in this class-based society that I sometimes call apartheid Germany or apartheid oligarchy. So when you're talking about your higher self, I think those, um, that higher self is um, the collective, so shuttle, you know, networks we are living in. And the network usually, I mean, to 80% or so, a degree of 80%, of the network you are based in, um, defines <laughs> if you become successful or not. And even, even female entrepreneurs. So what I'm missing here a little bit is, um, <laughs> you know, uh, non-white people from the lower classes and, um, that usually have massive difficulties to get access to your privileged classes. And, um, yeah, I attended that network, by the way, at that event, that BIPOC healing circle last night, even though I'm not black or very colorful, whatever. Um, because I was one of those heroes back in the 2000s that by chance and some other incidents was very successful and after two years or so, I was completely spit out of the system. And um, after years passed by, I just failed to suck, you know, get an connection to Germany and its uh, system and um, slipped into addiction and mental health issues. And that's where I am now, and I try to get out of that. And I see a lot of positive developments, but perhaps we can do better than today. Thank you. Thank you yeah, who wants to take this Yeah,
0: okay thank you so much that's um, that's a very intimate question.
1: Two things, one, I think is something we individually can do. i I try to jump discs that 's how I call it. So I have different discs on which I li- live because I agree with you they are not connected, and um, I do very, very different things in my t- in my time that are very important for me to have this multidimensional life. The other thing that we try to do with our investment fund is we try to invest 80% of our funds into under-networked founders, which is so hard because they are so hard to find because, as you said, they are not the ones attending all the conferences. They are also not the ones being at the alumni events of the famous universities. So we are doing a lot to meet People all over Europe who don't have VCs queuing at their door. And, um, I haven't figured it out what it, like we invite them to become part of the venture capital world and then we invest in them. We hope that their companies will grow. And then we increase the venture capital world because we let new people like join. But I think it's, it's one of the big challenges that we have as, um, as humans and as a society to, to to really figure out how does inclusivity actually work and not like tell people, like okay, you can join us, but it's more like making them an integral part of our lives and creating a new society. And there's so much potential and so many people are living right now in places and they are trying to arrive in Germany um, as people who have fled wars and other crises I think we are not doing enough, and uh, but that's a personal thing, and, and I think everyone can can do something about it.
0: I think actually it's also a very um, big question in the psychedelic world: how to reprosecate things and um, not to abuse like plant medicine in a way that just take it and then put it into big pharma. Yeah.
5: I used to take. I was diagnosed with ADHD, and thanks to Matté Gabor, I know it's not a, a genetic condition, but uh, trauma trauma condition, like most chronic diseases. And when you take Ritalin and things like that, um, legal amphetamines or illegal amphetamines, whatever, it makes you you more powerful. I mean, it makes you perform much more, but at the same time, it makes you emotionally and socially a psychopath. (laughs) You know? So I think that is something that a lot of people experienced back in the years and still today. I mean, a lot of people around that I know... CTOs, others, you know, take a lot of stuff into code.
2: Thank you for the info. <laughs> if I may respond to your comment. Thank you very much, first of all, for sharing that. Um, so I think you, you've, you've mentioned a very important point, right? It's about um, also questioning um, well, certain, certain structures that are in place that are often invisible for us, right? But that that are inherently um, powerful and are kind of shaping the reality that we all live in. And I think that in that sense, um, psychedelic work, if it is also intentional in that sense, can be used really to um, to make us more aware of certain, certain blind spots that we don't see. And this refers both to an individual but also to a cultural level, right? So um, questioning your own position, your own actions and responsibility and how... Y- you personally contribute um, to a certain system dynamic versus how you can uh, change it, right? So um, this whole process of, quote, decolonializing your mind, unquote, right? It's a it, it, it's a very important topic. And I think this can be woven into psychedelic work. So this is the one side. And also, um, for instance, in our organization, what we try to do, so we have people from, I would say, kind of the typical business world. So founders, uh, executives, executives, uh, Um, sea level suit um, but also we want to give the opportunity for other people to enter who wouldn't be able to afford these um, retreats right so we have people who are uh, kind of in the social change movement people who um, lead NGOs to also bring in more I would say kind of diversity in that sense but yeah but your topic I mean is absolutely valid and still remains true yeah Um,
4: yeah another issue is basically I think we need role models a lot of them, and we need to show them in a very broad way, uh, which until now hasn't been been done, as far as I know. And we we need also the communities. I, I know that there's, uh, with respect, what you said, the two hearts community, which is uh, really active in in this. And I think we need data and the data part, I I think it's really cool because everyone knows nowadays that diverse teams are more successful than non-diverse teams and still... The bias is there and still people are hiring the same people, people are investing into the same people, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think if we make it a lot broader and and we show more of that, then uh, that would be an issue. And basically it's also not only about that type of diversity, but we also see like in our fund, uh, by the way, we invested into – As angels into 14 companies at the time, we only had one team that was male and white and the rest was uh, very diverse. Uh, But now in the fund, we have also founders who are very old and founders who are very young. And for those, it's the same problem. It's exactly the same problem. If you reach 50 plus, no one invests into you. And it's stupid because people bring a lot to the table. And that's why I would say we need role models. We need data. Those are like the two main things uh, that might, might help solve also.
0: More questions? Or do you want to say something? If it makes sense? Yeah, no.
3: I, I just want to make another point on that. Um, maybe you know Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, existentialism. I grew up with it. With it. <laughs> and the first question is, why not kill yourself? Why not kill yourself? And I was 18, I was like, why not kill myself? <laughs> and the simple and beautiful answer is find your purpose. What's your small difference you can make? And it's narcissistic to believe that we saved the world. It's bullshit. It's really bullshit. But everybody of, of us can do become a good father, a good human found neighborhood initiatives, kindergarten, whatever, or depending on your personal background, this is my thing. I want to the world a little bit better. And I don't have a bad conscience that I'm not helping everybody because I can't. And uh, everybody has to find his or her impact. And more and more people are waking up doing small things and you could be grateful, attend today and yesterday yeah and bring uh, and and raise children and and so on and so forth well, I really feel uh um yeah, so uh it's okay, and uh, if I go further, this last generation issue uh, is it's a pop climate uh, initiative, it's also narcissistic to believe that they make a difference. It's just a game, and they choose to play it, and uh, uh it's uh really yeah find your own purpose and act to it and don't be afraid and you're more acting with more consciousness the more impact you do and and we have to reunite so imagine this hundred people do something different tomorrow for me it's okay if they say i want to grow personally to to transform the world that's it that's what i can do nothing more and i feel okay with it that's just my two cents
0: okay more questions Thank you. So thank you for the panel and thank
6: you, Anne, for driving this whole series. Um, we've talked a lot about individual work, which makes sense with respect to psychedelics, because it seems like it's a lot of inner work, right? At one point in the panel, and I don't know if it was your, you, you mentioned having a, a team of like 15 people where you really could bear all right? Like, that's the way innovation teams work, for example. Like, you you have to really share your weaknesses in order. So, big tech is in a world of hurt right now. The economy is not great. I think you mentioned that as well. So, what size of organization or team are we looking at to be able to take advantage of this? And psychedelics aren't legal yet, but they're becoming legal so I'm a little jet lagged but I think that there's a question in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think there are tons of questions in there they're, they're actually. Temporal, right. Um because I think one big question is how voluntarily or mandatorily do you want to do this? And I don't think you can have any force in this. Um so you can't force anyone to to aim for something better. Um but I think you can invite and you can create like an atmosphere and and uh an environment where where people can develop their full potential. And I don't, I don't know if there's like a limit of people who can do this, but I think there might be like logistical group size limits. If you want to share something and you are 5,000 people, it will take quite long until everyone has shared what they have to say. Even we wouldn't manage, um, in a, in a good time to to share everything that needs to be shared. Even if we only picked one thing, it would take quite long. So, I think it's more your um, y- y- what what his company is doing, like figuring out how can we trans- maybe transform a whole organization and how do we do this systemically and and what are the the systemic changes that need to happen where and how can they become viral. And I think this, this uh, yeah, this might be. Maybe you can give us the answer.
3: Well, um, I think there's a, a beauty in collective DNA, collective trauma, we call it. I don't like the word trauma. I want to differentiate it a lot. It's prägung. Some are really tough trauma, traumata. But what we find out with. You create always a good field. Sebastian, my my partner, is the great field and clients creator where you are part of a group and you create a field. And the beauty is if there is a set and setting of trust, then we do some exercises and we go into the collective shadow of this organization, which is really the, the underlying limiting beliefs. And very often it comes out, Everybody still believes if he or she is not performing, she will be not part of this beautiful business family anymore. Yeah, and and, and then the, the, the founder was saying, oh, I love you. Yeah, he's really a heartful guy, really nice, high performing, wow, thirteen thousand people, international, heartful, Deutsche Mittelstand. Uh, uh, no, really. I don't say the name, but but and he and, and, and there was nobody fired the last 10 years horribly. But still this belief is there. And it's tough. And you only can work with it individually because you are responsible for your beliefs. Uh, don't give the data. So please perform not. Be more vulnerable and see if you will be fired. And then the belief system sh- changes. So this is in companies probably I won't invite in the beginning a a, a team with all its shadows and issues to a psychedelic retreat because they're not prepared. There are many levels uh, they can go. And uh, maybe on on, on that point, Germany and leadership, this is a shadow thing. We are the anti-leader country because we have this dark, dark, dark Führer stuff. Yeah. And that's why we are not able to make heartful, nice decisions. Now we have to discuss, we have to norm, we have to moralize. Please, I'm not deciding. Everybody's deciding. And I see this in all companies. Good, conscious leadership is gone. And also, in new work, there's no decision. It's a group. And how to make good decisions in the group? There are many good things, like consents and everything... But they are, they lost the, the the ability to make good decisions
1: and good connections,
3: so leadership is also a very dark thing in German
1: organizations. It's the norm.: Just wanted to give one one comment, combining the the trustful environment with the performance idea, and the, um, we haven't fired anyone for the past ten years. We had a discussion in like a year ago within our company where someone said, "We are like family." I was like, "No, we are not. Because if the twins don't perform in school, I will not like exchange them for someone else." And uh, this is, I think, what you, what you, I think, have to do as an organization that has a purpose of making money and is responsible to other people. You have to have this performance idea in it, and and combining this into what I had said before, I think is even harder because you have to create this trustful environment. You have to speak openly with each other. You have to put each other on learning curves. You have to like look at development curves together. And then you have to make hard decisions who can stay and who has to go. And I think this is what needs to be done. And if everyone accepts this and if, if you as a, an organization can define a culture where this works and where people want to perform and where this is transparent and inviting for others to, to be part of it, then I think leadership can work. And I totally agree with you. That it's very hard in Germany to, to even discuss leadership. So
0: and and um, just um, because we always talk about this, I by myself had this experience that I found out in a psychedelic trip that it was less my gender that kept me away from going forward in the psychedelic experience, but more like I wouldn't like to hear the word Führer or Führung, because it I just felt appalled, like I was not engaging. The moment somebody would say, yeah, well, you, now you have a company, you have to execute some leadership. And then leadership, oh, wait, that means Führung, like, oh, this word, and then I'm out. So again, this was triggered in a psychedelic experience. And I think this is, for this whole collective trauma, a very important tool to get rid of all of these decolonization also, which is another big topic that is playing into everything, that what you mentioned. But Giza, sorry. Yeah um
4: I'd like to in my utopia um the the organi- just to your question again the organization um size uh wouldn't matter but um obviously it does but the thing is um I think if you create a system where and it's a lot also to do with radical candor um basically where you find leaders who are um so so when when I hire someone I hire someone who's better than me. And I tend, this is really important to me. I'm not going to hire anyone who's worse than me because I want to learn from the people that uh, work uh, work with us. Um, and and there's a German saying, der Fisch stinkt vom Kopf, which means the fish stings from the head. So um if you are a good example and, and do your inner work and you hire good people and you talk about how the whole organization, everyone has to be in their in their integrity and their full power to be able to um uh, unleash the full potential and bring the performance, I think that's basically starting with everyone. Really doing the work will bring the performance. So for me, it's not two things that are separate from each other, and um, they come together. and uh, And if you have people who are not willing to do the work and who who then not perform, I agree, it's not a family. It's a job. And then we have to
6: we have to change things.
0: More questions, please.
6: Thank you, thank you guys. Thanks for this. Um, I'm going to try to ask a question that touches on. Primarily vulnerability. I'm surprised that the word hasn't come up, I have to say. Because um, it's huge on, all of, on this topic. Um, it's a big one. We've talked about, or rather it's been spoken about, like equality right? or inequality and bridging the worlds from each disk. right? Whether you're skipping, whether it's hierarchical or not, irregardless. There's a gap we can all agree that there's a gap There's a gap between access of information there's a gap between refund perf- refunds no funds, resources and funds together refunds um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's intellectually, there are gaps of access in terms of information, and then of course, there's you know with the funds there's monetary access so My personal belief, I'm a somatic psychotherapist and I've spent the last 10 years really studying all of this. And my very personal interest is on how do we get from scarcity mindset into abundance mindset. And it's easy for those of us that have a cushion to land on to integrate, to be able to be like, oh my God, I just have. And there just is, and there's just going to be. But for those that don't have that cushion to land on to integrate, for those that have a harder, colder, darker reality um, that they wake up in after their trip, let's just say, you know, they go back to an abusive relationship. Like, there's a lot of stuff that we haven't talked about. And very classically on these kind of panels, and I, I don't mean to be the thorn in the thigh, but I'm gonna, so... Sorry. (laughs) Discomfort is really a huge part of what makes things move and what makes things grow. The personal analogy or metaphor that I have is like, I think about the seed and if the seed had feelings, when it breaks to sprout, it hurts. And it's moving through the soil, it's painful. And if you can imagine that the soil surface itself had feelings, then when the seed sprouted and cracked through it, it would also be painful. And growth is this experience. And what I don't see enough of is the reaching back and so part of the the entire growth experience or the observational view if we step back and we zoom out and we see everything human beings more as like as bacteria instead of like us in our houses and us in our races and us in our things but just like really zooming out and and imagining how do we integrate and how do we create access my my feeling, and I, I do not stand in any kind of authority whatsoever. I match the chairs, but that's on accident. Um, my feeling is it's the personal experience. I take issue with what you said about purpose, to be honest. I think that it's dangerous language but because it's hard to access that. Um, but it's a personal experience, an individual experience. Each person comes and they trip differently, right? They have their own issues. They have their own genius and they have their own limitations and so how and i'm thank you for mentioning this legality because i think this is a really hot topic and i'm also surprised it hasn't been mentioned because word on the street if anybody is aware and i think everybody in this room is that it's coming you know like like mushrooms and mdma legal medicine here we go what's gonna happen i'm from california and if it looks anything like weed i'm terrified but you know that's another conversation once we have access into the hands of each individual, each individual has access to having this growth, then how do we get, again, I'm just going to bridge this from abundance to scarcity because I really feel like the thing about big business, about leadership, about C-level positions, about funds, about VC, about all of the separation between classes, really, is that those that are still in their comfortable silver towers are actually in scarcity. They're afraid of change. The royal aristocrats that are still around are terrified of losing their fucking family crest. You know what I mean? And like, it's really about like, no, we need to have a son that has a son that has a son that has a son. Okay, how is that going to make the world a better place? How is that about community? How is that going to create change? And so I'm curious as to what you think about what happens once things become legal, what does that change? And how are you interested or how... What is your thoughts on all of what I just said? Okay. (laughs) Thank you for mentioning the
0: royals. (laughs) And Harry, of course, who's just doing psychedelics.
2: Okay, Okay, so I think there were like tons of topics to decode. So I'm just going to choose one to my liking. Um, um, Relating to your last point, you know, um, you talked about aristocrats kind of uh, ruling the world. And how is that, how is that? related to connection, right, what we talked about. And um, Joseph Campbell, um, uh, who was a scientist who kind of worked a lot on the most powerful and oldest myths of the world, had a very interesting description of what he described as a tyrant. And he said, the tyrant is the man of self-achieved independence. So basically somebody... Who wants to withdraw from the world, withdraw from all the pain and all the inconveniences um, and the naggings of the world kind of to live in his tower separated from everything else so that he can 't get hurt right and this kind of is is a movement of contraction of isolation, and this is um, this is kind of the opposite um to what he desc- Campbell describes as the hero right the hero 's journey is one of going into your dark spots, into your vulnerabilities. Here you have the buzzword. <laughs> um, yeah, but li- that means opening up to what the world also wants from you, not only what you want from the world, right? And I think that this movement of opening up to your own woundings, to your own shadows, and um, is, I think, something that needs to be addressed if if we talk about in the work and if we want to develop, right? Because I think development essentially what it means for me is to what extent can you increase your circle of self-interest, right? So development means you open up and you try to Transcend and include. Transcend and include, and that means also opening up to all the terrors and horrors and pain in the world, and becoming aware of that. And so you can't grow if you keep one eye closed. Because see, I don't want to see all the starving children, or I don't want to see what happens to the um, Congo, uh, to the Congo um, forest basin, etc. Right. So, um, I think true development that has an intention of really increasing your inner complexity so that you can hold more of the world's complexities will require to you to become vulnerable with yourself and with others. So um, at least, I guess, for most of us here, I think this is kind of what we all probably would agree on in terms of when we talk about this kind of development. But please. Um. Uh, just
3: so I, I mentioned the term growing up and growing up, you know, you get this new experience, you open up. And then you see more and you feel more, and then you go into the forest, into the shadow, and you die your old self. You 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 die, and then you become resurrected, and it's very, very painful, but you have grown. And then the return is as a, yeah, a servant leader, creating communitas, a new community with a good ethical impact, purpose, name it. I'm open to any names but uh, uh defining your okay your your passion you make a difference and and, and I invite you uh, to search for opportunities to multiply your gift uh, and make it accessible to all others who haven't have the access and I think this is there are many new. Foundings and purposeful companies, and maybe you get an investor here on the stage uh, for 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 your business and your female, you have probably two investors uh, um, no, I think um just stay optimistic, but uh, don't believe you will change anything in the world. This is a healthy state because otherwise you um now i'm using a little bit english unklagent. Accusing. Accusing you and we not. And the world is dying. What are you doing here? Honestly, it's the easy game. No, no. no, It's just... No, no. no. Uh, uh, But, uh, you know, it's it's so easy. Everybody has to find his or her path of development. And finding her or himself and, and, and trying to be more connected to him or herself and to others. And as you all know, if you grow personally... You care more about others. Like you said, Dimi. Uh, you're connected to nature and uh, you're still connected to, to Führer stuff and you're connected to, to animals, to nature and everything. And I'm just a part and when I have my had my experiences, I feel like a note in a world-evolving symphony. That's all I have. And I just have to play and I choose my 3D role and if it's not, then I'm gone, no problem. But I try hard. But I don't, I'm not afraid anymore. That's my point on that.
0: Okay. I think that's, a, I mean, we're going to hang out here for a while. So um, and I invite you to stay and just uh, talk to everybody. And I think there's some one-on-one questions <laughs> that we might have to ask. Um, but before we wrap up, uh, first of all, thank you so much for this amazing panel. All of them are really super interesting. Thank you. Then, I would like to um, introduce Lauren, my business partner. Talk to him also about the new health club, if you want to. And um, do you want us to yeah, just, uh, say this? Uh,
3: we, we are offering a leadership uh, psychedelic or psychedelic retreat. We have some spots left and uh, my colleagues have this, this card. If you're interested to learn more and want to attend the retreat, feel free to
0: contact Everybody of us. Everybody. Achim, me, Sebastian, yeah. Lauren. Yeah. So thank you so much. Please hang out and uh, talk to each other and uh, come back next time on March 8th, where we have a panel on trauma, war trauma, and how the Iranian community in Farsi is trying to heal this with psychedelics. Okay, see you soon. No, stay here. No, don't go, stay here. You're welcome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the New Health Club show and please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or if you would like to sign up for our newsletter, please go to www.thenewhealthclub.de and subscribe to the newsletter. Again, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, of course, there's also a New Health Club now, or even better, sign up to our newsletter on thenewhalsclub.de. I talk to you very soon.